the Asian Avengers. So weak. The Asian <laughs> Avengers. So weak. So so fuckable, bro. You know? Whoa. Whoa. There's five Asian guys together. Got wow. Together. Did you ever um, go through a stealing phase? Do I think everyone should have a gun? Maybe. Or you can look me up. I don't care. I'll fight you. I don't care. You want to get high as fuck? You, you like opium? Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Asian Not Asian Podcast, a podcast where two Asian guys not from Asia talk about American issues no Americans care about. I'm your host, Fumi Abe. I'm Mike Nguyen. And welcome. I don't know what episode this is going to be, but quick shout out uh, to our network, Listening Party and Canal Street Radio. Check out those guys on Instagram at Listening Party Presents and at Canal Street Market. Also, if you are listening on your phones right now, please take a screenshot and post that shit on the Instagram stories. Tag us at Asian Not Asian Pod and say something nice. Say something funny to us. And then uh, depending on, on how funny it is, we will retweet it and you can that's your 15 minutes of fame Woo-hoo. within the Asian community um, let's do our Patreon shout out real quick while I pull those names up let's explain Mike if you can explain what's hap- about to happen right now so uh, Patreon if you want to be a supporter of this podcast uh, we have a Patreon it's patreon.com slash Asian not Asian pod uh, and if you contribute to it you can tr- uh, you, you know if you contribute five dollars we you get bonus content uh, if you contribute even more than that we, we uh, slide into your DMs we things get a little weird but it's a lot of fun yeah uh, and um, if you uh, contribute the minimum, then at the very least, we will give you a little shout out on uh, the podcast and we will do a fun racist game of yes. guessing what kind of Asian you are based on your name. And what we're finding is that not all of you are Asian. So this game is getting very difficult. It's very every, difficult. Every week. It's so but, hard. There's uh, so many kinds of humans. <laughs> can you believe it? Mm. Um, but let's just start here. We got we got a lot this week. I think they really like really do. Week. Yeah. So yeah. here we go. Let's just start this game. We, uh, first up, Drew Kim. Kim. K-I-M? Yeah. Drew Kim. That's Korean. That's Korean. Nate Victoria. Nate Victoria. That's like, that like a middle name. Victoria. Victoria. Filipino? Could be Filipino. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm leaning towards Filipino, but yeah. Nate Victoria, that sounds like a... Um, like a sweet car, I guess, but I guess... Mm-hmm. We're the, gonna the say Toyota, Filipino. Nate Victoria. Oh, Nate Victoria, 2019. Yeah, I think I, he's eating pizza, so I think he's Filipino. <laughs> I, I think they'd like to do that. I'm not really sure. <laughs> then we have Emil Young, Y O U N G. Now Young is confusing because I feel like I have white friends named Young and I have Asian friends named Young, but it's spelled Y O U N G. But who knows what their parents? Were yeah, dude. To do. When I was in college, uh, I saw that my roommate, his name was Ben Young, and I was like, oh, it's sweet, dude. This could be a sweet Chinese guy. Yeah. And nope, white dude. So it's a Swedish last name. I and think. now we're best friends, but it's fine. So <laughs> shouts to Ben Young and to Emil Young here. Uh, we got. Kevin Pham, P-H-A-M. P-H-A-M, Vietz. Vietz. Represent. Vietz. Just learned about your new f- diaspora flag. Oh. Yes, just learned yes, about Fumi it. Fumi just learned about the uh, the Vietnamese, the three-stripe diaspora flag. Yeah, I don't know about that shit. Yeah, that's the, that's the flag of uh, the Republic of South Vietnam. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, that's why. Gotta so fly that one. Just want to let... Um, Kevin know that you are being seen. I uh, see. Although, you. although this dude might be uh, North, regular Viet. I don't oh. know. Some people say like, it's very complex now because like he's some one of those Ho Chi Minh City motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> what are you gotta say? Wait, you had like a weird accent when you did that. Ho Chi Minh Ho Chi Minh motherfuckers. Oh, hey. Yeah, you're that. You're a Saigon motherfucker. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So uh, shouts either way. Uh, then we have just M H, a robot probably. M H. Yeah. How much ro- money did M H give us? Five bucks. Just a, Ooh, that's a, that's a I'll robot. take that robot money. Yeah. I'll take have, that robot. Uh, Money. Beishi Li. B E I X I L I. That's probably a Chinese person from China. No, you know our rule now. Taiwanese. Taiwanese. Our Taiwanese. rule. Sorry, you're probably Taiwanese. Sorry, Chinese people. And if you're not Taiwanese, you can blame that one guy who <laughs> got mad at us because we didn't say enough shouts, Taiwanese shouts to that guy. And then rounding stuff, we have Gloria Ro. R O H. R O H. That sounds Ro. like Myanmar or some shit. 
Roe. Some Burmese shit. Mm, that's a that's a tricky one. That could be just straight up like a regular Chinese person mm. slash Taiwanese. Mm. Row, row, R O H. R O H. Row. Row. Maybe Korean. Mm-hmm. Didn't you didn't you say Vietnamese names for three letters? Yeah, but we don't got like an R O H name. Row. Could be. You think it could be a Japanese name? No, I don't think so. Why not? Because Japanese names are like, you know, Kitaguchi. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, but your name, your name's Abe. Yeah. The shortest. Yeah. I mean, there's no like one letter oh, last I name. Oh, I see what really. you're saying. Yeah. Ro. Yeah. I'm gonna say. Yeah. I'm gonna say. Uh, this person. Ah, fuck, dude. My, my. I mean, fuck. It could be Korean. Why not? Or maybe Turkmenistan. Yeah. One of those Central Asian countries. Oh, dude. We need to get some of that uh, former Mongolian Empire money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Thank you. Shouts to Turkmenistan. So thank you so much, uh, all the new subscribers. And if you want to get on us, check us out at patreon.com slash asian.asianpod. Now, before we get into our story of the week, we just want to make a quick little advertising here. Um, not that we're sponsored or anything. We are looking for videographers to help us uh, make video podcasts and make funny clips and have a better YouTube presence. So if you're in New York and you got some video skills, um, and you're interested if you're a fan of the podcast you want to help us out please email us at asian.asianpod at gmail.com and let's talk don't send us a resume just send us some videos you've done send us some videos um, we are, we're looking for people who can uh, help just get this pod up onto YouTube yes. and do that sort of thing uh, you would need your own equipment because we don't have anything we have I have a camera but we, we can talk camera. about that we don't have any lighting or anything like that but um, we need to do that and you know we, depending on how much Patreon subscribers we can get we can give you a little stipend we can how about that we can this, how about this that? wouldn't be just for free no we this we would bit. pay you a little bit. Yes. So, uh, yes, we're looking. So, shout it, uh, so uh, drop us uh, a note. A note at uh, asiannotasianpod at gmail.com. Yes. And hopefully we can get our beautiful faces up on t- to, to yeah, YouTube. YouTube. Yes. Um, you went to Texas recently, right, Mike? I did. I went to Texas. Uh, shouts to uh, my homie Davis, who was there. So, I stayed in uh, outside of Dallas. Um, in Irving, which is like, and I'm, I'm, it was, it was kind of a mind fuck because I'm from Dallas actually originally when I was, I was born there and I lived there until I was ten, mm. and so I would be like, uh, we would be driving around and shit, and there's, there's this like, store called Brahms, which is a, a, it's like an ice cream store, but it also has like, it also has things like hamburgers and shit too. Okay. It's like a very ca- super casual restaurant. Okay. And as a kid, I remember going there all the time and being really excited because when I, my mom would get her milk there, but then she would also like buy us ice cream. Oh, like, you know? And I hadn't th- thought about that. I hadn't used that, like that one neuron yeah. in forever. Yeah. And then finally I saw that sign and it was just like, you know, Whoa. where the neuron fires yeah, and yeah, like yeah, a whole yeah, bunch yeah, of shit. Yeah, 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 and yeah, I was yeah. just like, I want ice cream real bad. <laughs> so we, I hung out with Davis, uh, hung out, hung out in Davis, hung out with Davis and, um, and we went to go see Andrew Schultz. Andrew Schultz. He got, yeah, he got a, uh, Davis is a really big fan. He's a fan of the pod and he's a fan of comedy and yeah. he's a real big fan of Andrew Schultz. And so he's like, let's go, let's go see this guy. Now, uh, who is he for the listeners who don't know? Andrew Schultz is a, uh, up and coming type of comedian. He's at the cellar all the time and he's got, he's got a, he's got like, he's like kind of got a bunch of like self-published stuff. Yeah. He's just a beast, but he's doing it <laughs> like he, he's not on Netflix. He's not on all, on, no, on he's, the, not, he's not on Hulu, but yeah. he does publish his own stuff. He has his own team. Yeah. He's doing his own thing on YouTube. So definitely check him out. He, uh, um, he has had uh what's his name open for him um Nguyen. david Nguyen, right david Nguyen opened but uh, at the show it was that oh akash yeah akash akash singh had yeah, yeah. um open for him and akash and us we've we've kind of worked together we've met briefly and so akash remembered me we said hello and so we did it we you know it was at the improv and it was like uh, a very full uh, crowd 
And it's interesting. So for our fans, Andrew Schultz is an, uh, uh, he is like he his whole brand is he's like the anti woke comedian. Yeah. Right. And he has this whole thing where he talks about race and he talks about not being you know woke and he's like calling out you know PC culture PC culture all yeah. the time. That's his thing. Yeah. Right. Um, and you know it's it's really interesting to watch him because being there in it was in Euless, Texas. Right, not even in Dallas, not even Irving. Outside, it also the shit. It was in Euless, Texas, and it was a crowd of non-woke people. Mm. I wouldn't even say I wouldn't. They were not racist. They're just, just fucking regular people, right? Yeah. And it's so interesting because you're in New York. In New York, we we you know we we have we have all sorts of different crowds, but I would say in general, like we kind of have a very like, you know, left-leaning crowd. And sure. this crowd was not like that. So yeah. they were interested in in like other things and it was interesting to watch Andrew do all these things because I wasn't I didn't agree with anything a lot of things he did he said like like as a fact yeah but his humor is his writing is so amazing like you couldn't you couldn't deny that it wasn't he wasn't funny funny. right 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 right, right. and one thing which was cool to see and one thing that Andrew always does is is he'll say something he'll he'll be like he, he like talked about Michael Jackson yeah and he's like you know, he, he basically taught, he was like, you know, he took the stance of like Michael Jackson, you know, how could you judge what he did? Right. Yeah. And he had his, his whole bit. I'm not going to do it because I would ruin it. But, uh, what he does is he puts his, his head into the mouth of the lion. Mm. Right. And then he pulls his head out. Right. And so the whole thing with his so comedy, it's scary to watch, yeah. like, his oh, whole is he going to say something wrong? Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. His whole thing is like, is like, he's like lighting himself on fire. You know, where he, he's saying so, something like, you know, like, I, I don't, I, I don't like, you know, the whole consent thing. Like he, right. he he'll just he, say that. Yeah. He'll say that. Mm. And then he'll like, he'll, he'll explain how, what he means. And yeah. then like, it's fun to watch him get out of that situation. He's like a skate artist. Yeah. He, he just comedy. does it over and over again. He does it over and over again. I he love keeps that. like, he like lets himself fire. He like chains himself up with like this crazy premise. Yeah. And then he gets out of it. And, um, it's really cool to watch. But at the same time, I'm looking at all these bros who are yeah. like watching and it's all like, you know, all these non-woke bros. And I'm just like, damn, this is, they should have a thing at the beginning of comedy shows where they say, don't try this at home. <laughs> because you know, those cats are going home and they're and like, they're gonna- bro, I'm not into consent. <laughs> and then and they just, <laughs> they're saying it at work. And they're saying know? it at work yeah. or some shit. And then there's like, and then there's just like, what is your deal? Dude. And they're not, they don't got the skills that Andrew has and they are just fucking offending everybody you and know, fucking themselves over so and just being an f- asshole. That's so funny because we uh, recently spoke at like, a, you know, we've been doing a lot of these like Asian Heritage Month events, right? And we spoke, uh, there was a, a speaker there who was like the, one of the creators of uh, the Patriot Act with Hassan Minaj. Yes. And somebody asked him what his favorite joke was. And yeah. I saw him about to quote a Bill Burr joke. And yeah. I, I knew it was funny, but I was like, if you just say that and you're not Bill Burr, people are going to think you're fucking sexist. People are going to think you're yeah. racist. So that is an interesting thing. It's like, don't, tr- oh, he's only getting a laugh and getting money doing it because he has the skills to, like you said, put his head inside a lion right. and pull it back out. Yeah. But it's like, if you try to do that and any other, you, just even quoting him, yeah. it's not going to work. No, you're going to get I, bit I, by I the tried, I did, That happened to me too. I tried to quote a Ronnie, Ronnie Chang joke and I just sounded racist. <laughs> Because here's a joke about how Asians are the only um, unbiased 
oh, referees yes. and the yes. ongoing race war between white and black people. Yes. And so he just, you know, his bit's like, white people, yo, white people, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody fucking sucks. <laughs> and then he goes, yo, black people, kind of loud in movie theaters, right? But if I just try to say that to yeah. people, they're gonna be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Right. You know? If you don't got, if you don't got all the skills and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was real cool. I, I, uh, I got to meet Andrew very briefly. Uh, and it was super nice. And so, I mean, if you guys want to check him out, you know, again, just warning you. Yeah. He, what? Don't try it at home. And also. Just know that that's what he does. This is what he, he does. He doesn't actually mean that he's not supporting the Me Too movement or yeah, or yeah, yeah. He's, he's just, just saying it to get a reaction out of you. He's saying it so that he can. So and and that's really what it is. It's really just like you know, it's like riding a roller coaster. You know, you're yeah. just like you you might die, but it's pretty fun. So yeah, uh, well, it was cool. Uh, our guest today is. Uh, I, I would say that he does something like this a kind little of. bit not not a hundred percent but mm. he he's he's got a lot of variety he does and uh, that's why i like watching his act and i'm so excited to have him on he's been on uh, he's been featured on a on a pbs documentary called the comedy confluence mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, headlined at caroline's on broadway he could uh he's also been on iHeartRadio, um and i'm so glad that he could join us today. we've been trying to get him for a while so uh let's give it up for the very funny norlex belma Hey, thank you so much for coming on, dude. Thank you guys for having me, man. Yeah, I've been man. To come for a while. Have you, uh, you, you met Andrew? Have you met Andrew? Uh, no, I've never met him. Oh, you're been, familiar with his act, oh, of course. What do you oh, think? Yeah. What do you yeah, think? What do you think? Um, I think your description of putting the head in the, the in the lion's yeah. mouth and yanking it out is like yeah. perfect. Yeah, you know, like I do. Even outside of his actual comedy, I like what his team and he's doing in terms of like pushing him. Yeah, like that special that he essentially released on YouTube I thought was so smart that was yeah. crazy that was perfect like that showed you everything about him it showed you about the New York comedy grind it showed yep. you like he, he accomplished a lot with doing what seemed like to be a small amount of work but obviously it wasn't right 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 he's very smart about like how he like distributes everything and yeah. whatever do you, you do you ever I mean how would you describe your approach to comedy because I, I wouldn't say I'm like a risk taker like that yeah I'm more of a uh, I don't know what the, I'm more of like a uh, I, I solve a Rubik's cube. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And I'm trying to show people. Could you have used a, uh, a less cooler? No, <laughs> no I, I, not, I am not cool. I'm not letting myself not, on fire. Norris like, is packing up and leaving. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like, check out this Rubik's cube I'm solving yeah. with one hand. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, how would you describe like the the stuff that you do? Um, I don't know. It's, it's definitely mostly observational stand up. Yeah. Um, so I, most of my jokes, I feel like can fall in like one of two camps. It's like. I'm making an observation and I'm taking like my hot takes, mm-hmm. like random passing blows within those observational jokes. Yep. Or I'm doing a joke that's very much about what would be a hot take, right? So like I have a joke about my goddaughter being biracial. Like that started off as just an observational joke about like her, right? Like yep. kind of storytelling. Then it became, oh, I can say a lot about how races mix and how people like perceive those races mixing yep. like in the kid and like how people treat me as a black man walking around with a biracial child. Mm. So then it became, <laughs> instead of just making this observation having hot takes, it became the whole bit became about just like pointing like, I don't know, kind of like putting pressure on those weak points. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I've seen you do a lot of stuff yeah. where you will purposely make white people feel uncomfortable. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah, so yeah, that, that's yeah, like yeah. in the same <laughs> yeah. direction as Schultz a little bit. Like yeah. you'll just say some, uh, if you just took that sentence and I wrote it down, people be like, that's a fuck thing, fucked up thing to say, yeah. but you have a plan, right? You'll Absolutely. say some shit and then you'll release that tension. And especially in, in that first uh, that first camp that I spoke about, how like I have some jokes that kind of have like passing blows. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about tension relief, right? So it's yeah. like, I'll say some, and I, I like to trap door people a lot. So I'll be saying some things, then boom, these two lines. And you're like, what the hell? But I'm like, no, it's cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, say I hate you, but I love you. You know what I mean? Like, like it's, it's, it's like one of those things. Uh, 
I've definitely seen sometimes like I, I know I can make some people uncomfortable with the material, especially like white people. I feel like anybody who's a my an ethnic minority usually yeah. is a fan of mine because like yeah, I've, I'm very like hey, I'm gonna talk that shit and I'm kind of talking on behalf of most of us. In yeah, the yeah, room. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then I, at the same time, like I don't want to make it seem like I'm bashing you and I'm coming at you. I know a lot of the cultural things aren't you, the individuals, fault, right. but you understand like you know history or you understand yep. like what it means once we leave the parameters of this comedy room you know what i mean like yes. things are different and you know mm. what it is you know what i, mean? I yeah. feel uh for um you know there's a limitation of the podcast but people can't see who you are and you yeah. are uh, how tall are you <laughs> <laughs> how tall are you I'm, I'm, I'm six four and a little bit yep so yeah. and, six, and so four. you have this great bit about how you have resting bouncer bodies Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. like for our, for our, for our fans yeah. you just imagine there's you know, a bouncer yeah but super funny yeah <laughs> and, you know how real is that bit and super then real. further i mean i guess you know we always Pumi and i always talk about like when we are you know we're asian comedians we go up and sometimes you gotta like kind of you always have to address the elephant in the room and yeah. we try not to do it in like a very stupid way but you know as a black man yeah. who is six four and and, and and a little bit extra yeah then you know how do you sort of approach that did you find that to be kind of like a barrier when you first started did you find do you find like the the that dynamic to be a little weird um i was okay so let's do a little bit back so like yeah, my yeah. whole entire first year of stand-up the first year and a half I worked almost exclusively clean and I almost didn't I barely did race really Really? barely did race Um, well I was I started in Pittsburgh Pennsylvania yep and we didn't really have an urban scene Mm. and it's like so the only scene was like you know the standard mainstream stream scene right and I was always comfortable with my blackness but I wasn't necessarily comfortable with like talking about yeah. it in a comedic sense yeah. uh, and then I wrote this joke about which is funny I wrote a joke about the difference between black Twitter and white Twitter okay here we go Okay, and yeah. that kind of like broke the damn open for me I was like yeah. I can speak on my blackness right yeah. and like it kind of started to build from there so once I created that um, resting bouncer body bit mm-hmm. it was the first time I really took like my daily experiences as a black man in this country and put it in comedy form. Like, what I was doing is what I said earlier. I would have an observation and take passing blows and I would, like, make certain statements, but I never just sat in it for an yes. entire premise right. until I wrote that joke. Mm. Wow. Um, so that joke is uh, super real for, you know, for your, your followers. If they go on YouTube, it's there. Um, yep. That joke is 100% real. Like, I really can't stand outside of doors. <laughs> <laughs> like, like past 7 p.m., it's an actual issue. People just get yeah. your IDs. Yeah, no, and like, the, so the way I do it in the joke is that I was in front of a McDonald's and four tourists walk up and hand me IDs. So McDonald's is the only part that's a lie because it happened in front of a Chipotle in the village. <laughs> like, and I, I, and like, I, I swear to you, like, I grew up Catholic. I, like, I do the sign of the cross right now. Like, I wish I was lying about that. It's 100% true. Sorry, I was on on the phone with my girl and some dude just walked like some dude and his lady walk up to me and you know like the, some of the Chipotle's in the lower third of Manhattan look really nice on the outside like, sure. you know what I'm talking about like they have yeah. like, those huge doors they have like yeah, columns yeah. and stuff yeah. so I guess he thought it was coming into like the VIP <laughs> Chipotle yeah, that's so I mean the guac costs $85 I mean diamond encrusted guac and shit now they got like Taco Bell <laughs> Cantina and shit you know yeah, they got, you know, they, it's they're like they're swagging it out <laughs> my god they never stand in front of that yeah it's gonna be a whole problem they opened up a uh, Taco Bell Cantina in my hood and like I'm avoiding it like it's the plague you know like but yeah so that joke is that joke is super real for me and even in like 
people usually putting their phones away when they see me in the street late at night or broad daylight really? or, or if, if it's a man and woman typically the woman will grab the man's hand yeah. all that stuff is stuff I've been dealing with since college you know like when you're in high school I went to Catholic school so I had my uniforms on yeah, yeah, yeah. people are less worried about you and especially when they can tell you're a teenage boy yeah. but like the second I got to college that whole dynamic completely shifted and like mm. I just became feared by naturally being me in the world you know what's funny yeah. I mean and the thing is too is hey you're like one of the nicest people I've ever met and, and, <laughs> and second where did you go to school uh, so I went to Catholic school what you I'm mean sorry, like, college I went to Carnegie Mellon University and, and you in were Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and you were like studying music music yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's like the crazy thing is you're, yeah. you're, you're actually like a fucking dork you yeah, know yeah, well, well, it, it, <laughs> you played trombone yeah, right? you played yeah, trombone you're I played trombone violin viol and piano with like oh my, my god you're Asian yeah. Yeah, 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 it's, it's funny that you bring that up a lot of my closest friends coming up because I was so heavy in music a lot of my closest friends were Asian kids like really? I'm talking about like from six, seven, eight, nine years old, like we were all in like the conservatory prep programs together. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, doing like Suzuki string institutes together. Oh, the Suzuki method. Yeah, yeah Suzuki's the <laughs> shit. You know, like, like master classes together with like top instructors from all over the world. So like I got to see that. I'm not even trying to dovetail too much, but I got to see like that intense like Asian parenting yeah, like, yeah, yeah. from the beginning. I yeah. saw it like I, I was six, seven years old the first time I started seeing stuff did like that. Did you practice as much as they did though? Because you had to have, right? Or? No. <laughs> <laughs> but like it's, it's really funny that you bring this up I have a friend of mine Greg Thompson who's um, half Jamaican half Korean and um, which I still don't know how it's I don't think he knows how his parents met but uh, <laughs> um, but it it was interesting because I remember talking to him years after music. You know, I haven't been a professional or amateur musician since I started doing stand-up, sure. essentially. And I remember telling him how I always felt more naturally talented than almost all of my Asian friends. Sure, of course, mm. yeah. But, but their, you know, discipline, yep. not, not to play on tropes too much. No, but like, I get no, it. It's their true, discipline, it's true. you know, their tenacity, all that is like, is what made what made us peers. Because yes. a lot of them couldn't improv for their fucking life. That's why right. a lot of them never played jazz. Yeah. They couldn't just be given six scales and be like, hey, go for it. Ooh. But you put some Brahms in front of them and they have it memorized in two weeks. Yeah, yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So like, yeah. but that was because like, they were so dedicated. Like They were practicing two, three hours a day. I was playing three instruments full time by the time I was a freshman in high school. So I, I didn't have time to practice everything, but I had like natural ability. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I could sight read really well. I can improv really well. I could like transpose very quickly because I played so many instruments. Yep. So it kind of like balanced the kind of like balance the playing field a little bit so for you so like growing up it, for you was like music and 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 your in your household was it just like something like incidental like oh hey norlex is really good at this and he seems to enjoy it like yeah, yo, let's, let's parents, see what happens did your parents or, uh, musicians? Or is, yeah or is it like something oh, no. like hey let's really like uh, put uh, a lot of time into this yeah so what's the best way to answer that so i started playing music because i was like three and i was at a family function yeah. and there was music playing it was a song that they were pretty sure I didn't hear before and I sang the chorus back after only hearing it once oh shit so then like my aunt went to my mom my dad like yo I think you might have a little bug for music then like they put me into it but it became like both my parents are educated so it became very much like a, we want to enrich the mind you know like they always say like music especially classical mm -hmm. is very good for young minds like yeah, and, yeah. and development and stuff like that mm -hmm. so being that that's both my parents' backgrounds, it's like, all right, cool. Like, we'll put him in music, we'll help grow his brain, and he might find something else. Yeah, yeah. And then something happened middle school where, like, I just kind of, like, took off. Like, I was always decent. Yeah, yeah. Then I was like, ooh, I want to play viola. Like, ooh, I want to play trombone. You were just ooh, able yeah. to pick, yeah. up, I pick just, it all I started up. picking a whole bunch of stuff up. Then it became like, okay, well, he's not in the streets, and he's got a, <laughs> he's got a little bit of a mouth, but he's usually cool when he's playing, when he's playing music, you know? So that, that, that became the... 
right, so this is kind of like your space where like you're comfortable in, and if it pays for college, it pays for college, and that's what I ended up doing. So you yeah. go to you know? Carnegie Mellon. Yeah. Oh, sorry, you go. Yeah, right, right. Uh, so you go to Carnegie Mellon. You're doing your thing. Yeah. And when exactly did that transition? Because you started in college. You I started right after. I started right after after college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like. You know, I mean, did you think you were going to be professional musician, and and then something happened, or what happened where you were yeah. like, you know what, let's let's try something else? Um, I always thought I was going to be, you know, I always wanted to be a pro musician. Um, I always thought I was going to be like a, a classical trombonist, yeah. you know, in terms of like playing in symphonies and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like I loved ensembles, I loved chamber music, I loved all of it. Um, obviously, I loved big band and all that type of stuff, but mm-hmm. um, classical was really, you know, you know, it was solid. Um, and Broadway pits. I thought I was going to do one of those two things, either okay. classical or Broadway pits. And then uh, getting ready for my, my junior recital in in college, and I didn't have like a breakdown, but like I had like a essentially like a quarter life crisis. Yeah. Where I was like, man, I can do more than just sit in the back of a fucking orchestra for yeah. the next thirty five years. Right. You know? like, 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 and that's nothing against like a lot, a lot. Like I said, I didn't say this before, but a lot of my closest friends are pro musicians, right? Doing classical as well, and that's nothing against them. That's what they've trained to do. That's what they love. That's what they believe in. But I felt like I had a little more to offer to myself, and not to speak too grandly, but also like the world by yeah. like not being playing trombone two, playing Mahler five for the fortieth time in a row. You know right, I mean? right, right, right. Um, that's so a I, scary thought, though, isn't it? Because yeah, all it your life, scary. that's all you know. Exactly. Right. Like it was like it was kind of like. You know, you're in a hovercraft, right? And like you're going, and you see a cliff. Like, nah, it's fine. I'm this. I'm in this hovercraft. <laughs> yeah. And then, also, and then your hovercraft breaks down right before you hit yeah, the cliff. Yeah, like, yeah. Fuck. Like, what do I do? That's exactly how I felt. I just kind of felt like I was standing on the edge. Wow. Hovercraft yeah. analogy. But, but Ooh, music yeah. is hey, also. I'm out here, man. <laughs> <laughs> but like, music is also so specific. It's kind of like stand up in a way. It's like if you just did music for 15 years, and you're like, let me do something else. It's like you don't on yeah. paper. I mean, you may have other skills, but on paper, it doesn't look like you have other skills. It does not. Um, I've, uh, not to say this. I hate saying this, but. I've talking about this before there are definitely some transferable skills that sure. really helped me when I came into comedy okay so I've always been extremely grateful for like my music background yeah um, like professionally and I guess like performance wise like the actual art side of it mm-hmm. um, but to go back to answering that yeah so I took a semester off I came back um, hated the school of music even more I was also the only black undergrad in the school of music oh, shit. which was very stressful like I would miss I had friends of mine who would never come to theory uh-huh. And I'd miss theory once and everybody would be asking yeah, about there it for you three. Go. It, was, it was like that, yeah. you know. I know that's been spoken about. Now you're about like before. carrying around like the whole race yeah, around ex- with you. Exactly. Yeah. You know, like I I made a remark towards someone because somebody said something kind of offensive and it wasn't even full on angry black man. Trust me, I can go there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I, I have the mouth and the smarts to go there and I didn't even go close to that. Yeah. And it became like a it became a thing. It was like, oh, so I heard so and so said this and then you went off the handle. Uh, I was yeah, like, yeah. Nah, uh, I'm just uh, telling somebody about right. themselves. Like you can't say shit like that. Like I put a glass of wine down at like a at a music party. <laughs> <laughs> I'm breaking all stereotypes. Yeah, exactly. uh, yeah. This is how you roast you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I adjusted my bow tie. Right, yeah. And I was like, excuse my, me, my sir. My cummerbund was askew. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, was, uh, I could barely sit on my horse. <laughs> and like, so not, long story short, I put down a, a glass of wine. Yeah. And somebody was like, huh, I didn't know I ordered a glass of wine. And I'm the only black person there. And I'm like, nah, dude, you can't say shit like that. And I was like, what? I was one of those like black people who were like, you know what? I'm not just gonna flame you. I'm gonna let you know why you're wrong. Yeah, I'm one of yeah, those yeah, people. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I did that, and it became a huge ordeal. You know, so oh like I, I had so many different stresses, and then I just dropped. Like I dropped out. Like I hated music. I couldn't even. Yeah. I was having anxi- full yeah. on anxiety attacks on my way into the music building. Couldn't pick up my horns. Couldn't listen to my favorite music. 
Then like, I took a, like I was like, okay, I'm gonna take a leave of absence. It's gonna be a year, and it ended up just me dropping out because I started stand up mm-hmm. like towards the end of that year of when I was gonna take a leave of absence. Started doing stand up, did my first show, and I was like, yeah. Did you cool, I'm do this? Did you try any other creative things, or no. or, or did you know you're like, you know what? What was it about stand up then that was like, uh, hey, you know? I was doing radio, which mm. I, it's, it's always hard for me to kind of describe radio as a creative thing because yeah. it's my ass. It was definitely more journalistic because we were doing, we were covering stories. We were yeah, essentially yeah. take like the five biggest stories of that week, right. right, and just have open conversations as Black millennials about it. Yeah. Um. So that was a question. Uh, so how did you like get into stand up? Yeah, so okay. I don't know. I watched a ton of Daily Show. Yep. Mm. Um, I was a huge Def Jam fan. Yeah. I was a Same. huge. I became a huge Colin fan in college. Yep. And I think some marriage of like the entertainment, like the this how dominant black comedians are, like like stage presence. I, I was always drawn to how like stage presence essentially. You know, like yeah. your Bernie Max, your Steve Harvey, yeah, yeah, your Chris yeah. Rock, you know, yep. all the time. Yep. So I think it was like a marriage of that, and then Carlin kind of waking me up, like. Mm-hmm. You can really talk to people through this medium than like watching what Jon Stewart did and how making making comedy so culturally relevant. I think like all that hit me. It was like the weirdest gumbo of all time. It was like all that hit me as I was trying to find refine myself mm-hmm. and it kind of brought me to the stage. Yeah. You know? Um you talked a little bit about kind of being, I guess, like racially frustrated because you said you're only the, the the black kid in the, yeah. in the music program. Well, right? Undergrad. It was undergrad, like two right? Yeah. Did you find that that was kind of Weird because you were studying jazz, right? No, I was studying. I was I was a classical major. Oh, classical. In college. That's why. Yeah, I was a classical mm. major in college. What did you? Because Carnegie Mellon's Conservatory had just started a jazz minor, but there was oh. no full blown jazz major program. Oh shit! So everybody there was doing you either opera track or you were instrumental and obviously classical track. Yeah, like so, almost exclusively. So when I was, so I used to play trumpet for a long time, yeah. and I remember. Oh, yeah, we were talking about this. Yes, yeah, yeah. so when I was younger, um, you know, I mean, I, I'm from Ohio, so like we didn't have a lot of like black people, black students at my high school. Therefore, there weren't a lot of black musicians, but but I remember like really getting into Wynton Marsalis for a little bit, oh, and he's he the best. and he was symbolic because yeah. for that year he was the first black musician to get an award in jazz and yep. classical music yep. with, with trumpet. Yep. Did you get like typecasted? Um, did people were people surprised within the music world? Within the music world that you were doing, you're pers- you oh, pursuing yeah. Brahms absolutely, and, and, absolutely. The, and the classical es- music, especially on strings. What people don't know about me is that like, yeah, trombone became like my major in college and became like and like you know one of my primary instruments but my first love was violin like that's mm. what I started on that's I did Suzuki yeah like I got a scholarship every year to go to the Suzuki Institute at Ithaca College which, yeah. is, which is where Suzuki started in the states so like strings was really my passion so I was this you know at you know 10 11 12 year old you know chubby black kid from Brooklyn yeah. in a sea of white and Asian and yeah. I'm standing in the front like yo what's up I know my shit too <laughs> Dude, I'm, I, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm trying to imagine you playing yeah, 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 yeah. so small yeah, and, and, and the, which is why I ended up picking up viola as well it's no. a it's it like a quarter bigger um, but yeah like that's where a lot of like my competitiveness in comedy now was from was knowing that I like feeling that people thought that I didn't belong or like I was at like yeah, one of these things yeah. is not like the other for sure I was consistently one of the only if not the only black kid in any string oriented group that I was in yeah so like that kind of just it was like the win in my sales like when I got to Carnegie Mellon like it was fine like the first two years but when I started having the internal struggle of it, do I want to still still to be my career yeah and then you put that on top of right. what I was dealing with like representation wise yeah it kind of like that's what broke the dam so I want to uh, trans uh, get to something you were just saying but just to cl- wrap this up do you yeah. are you are you have you come back to music at all I know you don't you know, really play yeah, as much, um, much but most of my friends are pro musicians yeah. like a lot of my closest friends are pro musicians um, so this is weird thing that happens they're always trying to get me back in the game yeah um, 
what happens is I always go I go to see them play yeah and then I'm like and I used to do that right? <laughs> right? Right? And, and then like I go to my mother's house and like all my instruments at my mother's house yeah sure and then I was like I end up jamming out on the piano yeah. for like an hour and a half okay daddy still got it then like yeah <laughs> right and I, that's like my fix for like three months and interesting. then interesting like, like I said like so like my friend David Frazier Jr. like he's currently on tour with SZA and TDE like oh, wow. he's incredible you know phony peoples are blowing up band in the country yeah. and like I grew up with phony people like Matt the drummer is like one of my closest friends you know I like um, even Dominic and Phil, like all these dudes, but I, I just don't feel that way anymore. But like I said, when I see them, I go home and shred, dude. Yeah. I fucking <laughs> shred. That's awesome. But I do want to. This is gonna sound hack, and you, you were both, we're all three of us are comics, so like, I guess Yo, be safe hack, space. Bro. Uh, yeah, be hack, bro. It's cool, bro. Be hack, bro. Be hack, bro. I do want to, at some point, do some sort of marriage of comedy and music. Um, I mean, why not? I'm not I necessarily too, thinking man. like yeah. Reggie Watts or anything like that, but. You know, kind of like you, if you're familiar with like Gil Scott Heron or anything mm-hmm. like that, more so like, more so like that kind of like jazz combo as yeah. opposed to like a big band, like a, like a like a yeah. pop group, like a jazz combo, and you know, the words and this and the music are married as opposed to like I'm just doing music to a ba- uh, comedy to a backing yeah, track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, that that takes. I need the right musical mind with me, yeah. Because I have that mind as well, but I haven't tapped into it in seven years. Mm. Um, that that is something I am thinking about, but. I want to do like my debut stand-up album first, and then kind no, of. No, I think yeah. I think of, all. Kind of worry I think about that. you know, there's a reason why we all go through our lives and have certain experiences. Yeah. yeah. And I think as you grow, you you're gonna pull from all those different things. It Absolutely. only makes sense that like, hey, you had a radio background, you have an understanding of that, yeah. or music, or or you know, I, I think eventually. I'm gonna have to. I was thinking, moving Fumi. I'm gonna. We're gonna do a dance routine, Fumi. <laughs> you and me. We're gonna learn. I'm gonna teach you one. And we we're gotta, gonna do we it. Gotta, we gotta, we gotta and just, if, yeah. we could, if you could do it right, it'd yeah. be like something no, no one's out. ever done yeah, before. Yeah. 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 Um, there's one thing that um, I think with music, if you are struggling writing on one instrument, you can. The advice was to go play a different instrument. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. And I try <laughs> to apply that in comedy a little bit. You know, okay. it's like maybe you getting stuck with stand up. Maybe try like some tweets or like maybe like yeah, write a yeah. sketch or like. Write some mala jokes like yeah. if you if you think of it that way it's not as intimidating you know what I mean the the word writer's block kind of kind of starts to fade away a little bit if yeah. you can that last part is super interesting I like that like if you if you feel like you're in a rut just kind of go to like a different avenue of the comedy yeah. game first yeah. like I've never I've never even it's like this never hit my noggin before you know man mm-hmm. but you gotta yeah. do like that because that's, that's it, it's awesome. all comedy you yeah know what it, I mean? is, it is it's, it's all, all the same comedy, comedy right? yeah. Yeah. I, I, I find myself crowd working. If yeah. I'm struggling with new premises, yes, I find you know you can like lean on your crowd work too much. Yeah, but I do find myself doing like that right on stage, like right on stage through crowd working on yep. the premises. I don't Absolutely. know if that yeah, no, yeah, yeah, that's a lot of words for like non comedians to understand. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely gets it, and I find myself doing that. I think that's maybe approaching what you're saying but yeah. that's something that could definitely help me kind of like investing in you know what I'm just struggling with these premises let me like write a sketch or two or like absolutely write like a monologue like joke like, like a monologue five sort of right. thing yeah. yeah yeah that could help um, I also want to talk about this because this is another thing I find so fascinating about you you were you're born and raised here in New York born and raised in Brooklyn New in York Brooklyn, yeah, and I always felt like you know you you know, you play an instrument, you know, you went to music school, yeah. you sound like a nice kid on paper, but I don't <laughs> think that was the case. Norlex, we've had some interesting conversations about, yeah, you have. used to be a, a rowdy little boy. Yeah, I was. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about, like, because I think New York kids specifically are so different from kids who grew Absolutely. up in the suburbs. Absolutely. So, like, because you guys get in some crap, like, just wild shit. I assume if you grew up in New York, you lost your virginity on a bus. That's what I assume about New York kids. <laughs> no, okay? that, that's hilarious. Uh, I did lose my virginity while moving, though. Ah, <laughs> I was in yeah, motion. Yeah, 
you're right in the wheelhouse, man. Pun intended. Uh, I, I I lost my virginity senior prom in the limo while it was moving. Wow. Oh. Real but, but your friends shit. Are, your, your friends are there. Nope. Also, so, so this is what happened. My mom was like, my mom was like, if you if you go to a top fifty university, I'll get you your own prom for limo. Oh, so your own, own limo, limo for prom. You were free That's your date. Right? Carnegie Mellon was like twenty when I went yeah. when I got there. So That's she awesome. got me my own like ten passenger limo just for me and my high school girlfriend. Dang! And the limo driver was super cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> With, uh, with underage sex, <laughs> no, sh- slipped them a little twenty. Know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, yo, after prom, just like drive around Manhattan. Just drive like, around for a while. He was like, say no more. I got you. I got you. Wow. <laughs> I got you. Know, exactly. I got you. Fam. <laughs> <laughs> and then we just drove around. Like he just drove around Manhattan, and uh, we had intercourse. I became a man, dude. I mean, and that's <laughs> somewhere probably in Chinatown, honestly. What's <laughs> <laughs> about to happen again? Hey, hey I'm uh, done. I, you gotta pull the, this other curtain down. Yeah, <laughs> I love. Uh, I love that. That's actually a very. Uh, uh, beautiful uh, high school rom com moments because yeah, it's it high is. school prom, yeah. it's a fucking thing. Yeah, shit, that's great. Um, uh, but anyway, I did have interesting. I did have <laughs> so interesting. Funny. Like, yeah, tell us about like high school. Like, what what yeah, what up, is what is Brooklyn high school like, man? You have to say like, but you went to a Catholic high. I school. went to Catholic. I went to Catholic all boys high school, yeah. which is the Catholic all boys high school is probably the only thing rowdy, rowdier I mean, um, than like the rowdiest public schools, honestly, because. Mm. The all boys Catholic high schools essentially most of them, at least the brothers that I went to school with, like the order of brothers what that order? ran the school, the Zavarian brothers. Okay, um, it was very much like they understand that your boys trying to become men. Yeah, so they let you get a lot of that, like a lot of that shit out of you in those first two years. Okay, and then like those were what we call like the great culling. Like mm-hmm. after sophomore year, there was always like forty kids that just didn't get brought back to the school. Oh, really? Yeah, they would just like sit them down and be like, "They'll yeah. be like, we don't want you back here." Damn! Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and, then, um, and then you know, junior year is kind of like the, the formation of like the young, the young man happens. So I am very grateful to my high school, but like the, I had like an interesting background, you know, like high school and middle school because I grew up in a very mixed neighborhood, mm-hmm. but I hung out in exclusively black neighborhoods. Yeah. But I went to music stuff in very mixed or all white neighborhoods. So yeah. I got mm. to see all sides of the spectrum. So definitely grew up fighting a little bit. Like I used to have to fight because like my name is Norlex and then Pokemon came out, then it was Snorlax. Snorlax. Oh my God. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. That's still the issue to this day. I, tell, I mean, I don't have a problem with it now. Like <laughs> I'm not going to lie and say that I've embraced it in any way. <laughs> but it's always like when people say it, it's always like that's not my I just be like that's not my name. They're like, "Oh no, I'm just saying it's like I'm like I know what it's like, but it's not." <laughs> my name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But me and fifth, You learn how to fight. Yeah. <laughs> me, yeah, no no bullshit. Like me and fifth, sixth and seventh grade was like and it's also Brooklyn in the 90s and sure. early 2000s, really. Yeah. So, like, you're not going to disrespect me in yeah. front of all these people and the, yet alone disrespect my name right. yeah. in front of all these folks. Now we got to go. Yeah. I mean? <laughs> uh, so, that, that's literally how, I, that's one of the reasons why I started to learn how to fight. Also, in the late 90s and 2000s, that's when people were jumping people a lot yeah. still. Yeah. So, after you get jumped your first time, that's like the, you know, like, never forget sort of moment, mm-hmm. you know, and then you're just like, all right, cool. So, I was always on guard. Now I, I walked around with a pocket knife all the way through Shit, high school and dude. stuff. Yeah, you, you just have to go. You gotta be ready. Yeah, grew, grew, I mean, I grew up in Flatbush, man. Like I yeah. spent most of my time in Crown Heights and in Flatbush. And yeah. back in those days, I mean, gangs were still a thing. Yeah. And like there was still turf wars. Yeah, and this was is still, a matcha green tea Crown Heights. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, yeah, this, yeah. this is not Franklin Park Crown Heights. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. this is not what Franklin Avenue is now. This right. is, if you're on the corner of Franklin and St. Mark's past eight o'clock, you shouldn't be on the corner of Franklin and St. Yeah, Mark's yeah, past yeah. eight o'clock. Yeah. Like, this is that time that I came up in, you know? Like, I fought white kids, black kids, Latino kids. Like, it didn't matter. Like, in high school, I got in three fights, one Latino kid, two white kids. Wow. You know what, what I'm saying? So, like... At school? Oh, yeah. Uh, 
my best friend, one of my best friends, God rest his soul, Jason Morales, we got in a fight on the bus leaving school, like on the B9 on the way back home, and uh-huh. we lived in the same neighborhood. I'm still, that's the only fight that I regret, even though like we made up very quickly, because oh. we were like very, very close. And um, I just kind of lost my handle, and I always knew he was a jokester, and I took up something way too seriously. Yeah, yeah. He also didn't realize that he should have backed down a little more because he knew me well too. Um, but yeah, like I fought him on the bus on the way to school, oh, and then on the way back from school, it was like seven p.m., and then yeah. the two white kids were both in school, one in homeroom and one just in front of room two hundred eight. Damn, you still remember? Oh yeah, absolutely, <laughs> I, absolutely. Um, <laughs> right. Wait, I absolutely remember. What is that mentality like? Because I, I feel like you would never hit anyone today. Yeah, oh, you I mean, are not like I, that. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of like you know, reformation happened. You know, like yeah, uh, I will. That's one of the reasons why I love the high school that I went yeah. to. Because um, like I said, it lets you get a lot of that out. And the two, in, the three instances that I just named were all sophomore and junior year of high school. Gotcha. Um, then I got a new guidance counselor my junior year of high school. It was a former cop, Mr. Wilson, and. He understood kind of like a lot of the underlying issues that I had, like me being an only child and always feeling like an other no matter where I went. Yeah, and yeah. like having two parents who gave so much attention to other other kids. So like this is probably mm-hmm. half the reason why I'm a stand up now because like no seeking attention as yeah, well, yeah, like yeah. from mm-hmm. young. Um, understanding like I had some cultural conflictions, like having a lot of African-American friends as well as having a lot of Caribbean friends and like there's things that happened there. And so we just talked a lot and it kind of like started to round me out as a person then I got the senior year of high school and I was like, I'm not, like, I was very conscious as a kid. My parents made me that way. So I was like, I'm about to be a black man in this country. Yeah. I can't be out here being the way that I've been the last few years. Ooh. Like I was very aware of that. So like my senior year was like kind of like the great mellowing out happened, you know, like. Was there any. I started, and then I got to college and then, you know, you, you grow into yourself as an adult right. in college. Yeah. Yeah. Was there any particular moment that kind of had led to the great mellowing out or was there just kind of I think like it was me trying to stab a kid junior year of high school. Okay, that would do Jesus. it. Jesus. Yeah. Alex. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> The kids, okay, so uh, you guys got tape. It's digital. So this is what happened. So the um, this dude, I, I, I always walked around because I was a musician and I was in chorus. I always had water. I always had like a Nalgene bottle of water on me. Yeah. Like always. And I went to Catholic high school. Our homeroom was in chem lab my junior year of high school. So I had my Nalgene bottle on a desk and we had to stand up and do prayers and then turn to the side and do the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah. And while I did that, somebody, the kid behind me, opened up my water bottle and like spat multiple Louis into it. Ew. Obviously without me knowing it. Right. So like I start drinking it because I'm in homeroom still and like people behind me are laughing. I'm not quite getting it. And like I spot one of those kids like two periods later. I'm like, yo, Bobby, like why was, why was everybody laughing at me while I was drinking my water or whatever? And then he told me why. And like I literally, we like it's one of three times in my life where I literally saw red. Yes. Like like mm. literally like yeah. you feel it coming yeah, out yeah, on your yeah, cheeks. Yeah. Like um and I like I said I carried a pocket knife on me every single day of my high school career. So I skipped three classes. I literally was on a manhunt walking around the building. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. It's like and John Wick. I, yeah. yeah right. no, honestly it's exactly like, like yeah. I, I knew it was like equalizer. Like, 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 yeah. like I, I knew his friends. Yeah. And I was yeah, like, yeah. yo, if yo, you see XYZ, yeah. let him know I'm looking for him. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I'm like, coming for you. You I have was, a special I, bullet. I you was know? doing it to teachers. I was like, yo, if yo. you see XYZ, yeah. let him know I'm looking for him. And then I ran into Miss Rodriguez, who was one of our guidance counselors. She's like, yo, because I was like, you know, very jovial. She was like, yo, no, looks like you look so like what's going on and I was like yo if I see so and so he's getting stabbed and I don't give a fuck and she was like step into my office (laughs) and like they they kept me in the guidance office for like two days and that was like so like I said like that that was like the moment yeah yeah. if I had to put one crystallizing moment on I need to chill it was that 
but it was like just my general consciousness of, and being aware like I knew I was gonna have to eventually yeah. dude but you got yeah. lucky that Mr. Rodriguez was there yo, for you man it, it, honestly honestly bro like on everything I love if Ms. Rodriguez did not find me in between 5th and 6th period we had lunch 7th period I was mm. gonna find him in the lunchroom yeah like, Over you know, Lugie. Yeah, but you know, you feel disrespected, you feel embarrassed. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. At you and shit. He's white, I'm black. Yeah. You know, my yeah, black friends are like, yeah, so yeah. you gonna let that shit rock? I'm like, yeah. no, the fuck, I'm not gonna let that no, shit rock. <laughs> 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 Tell him looking for him. I'm a man of the people out here. You know what I mean? Like, damn. I want to go back and go to something you were talking about, how you came up, you know, you watched a lot of Def Jam comics and stuff, and you've talked about you talked about this on your PBS thing. Mm hmm. Um, and I feel like there's a as a theme for this for this whole podcast interview has been like you you and you dealing with like expectations and stuff yeah, yeah. like that. So when you're a musician, you're like dealing with expectations of people going, "Hey, who, what's this? What's this black kid doing playing strings?" Yeah. But now you're on stage and you're yeah. six four and you're yeah. this black dude and you're doing this stuff. Do you ever feel like, oh, you know, I've got to deal with? The ghosts of Def Jam. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking like about? They want me to fuck the stool. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like, yeah. I, and 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 you know, it does how much does that play I mean, into what you're doing? That too, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So for for Fumi and I, we don't have. We actually kind of have like the opposite. We don't have a body of Asian American. You know, men come. There's like some, but not yeah, a lot. Yeah, not, not like a whole level of right, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, for yeah, us, yeah, we're yeah. actually kind of like trying to find what that is. Yeah. But for you, you have to deal with yeah. the legacy yeah. of that. Um, it's, it's interesting you bring that up. So that was definitely more of a struggle earlier in stand up. Sure. As I was like, uh, I feel like we're always perpetually on the path of finding our voice, right? Yeah. I've always felt that way about stand up. Um, but definitely in those first three, four years, at times I would feel those pressures because like. Like, I'm a black man, right? So, like, I've been shooting the shit, chopping it up, yep. you know, playing the dozens, whatever you want to call it, you know, stoop, chop, all that, like, my whole life. So, there was definitely a certain expectation once I started getting on stage, but then, like, I'd use words like dichotomy, and people were like, what the fuck? It's like, people were like, what the fuck? is a new rapper. Is that a Wu-Tang member we didn't know about, right? Like, is he one of those Wu-Tang affiliates, like, yeah. Bronze Navarrete, like, yeah. shit like that, right? So, um... Definitely earlier on, but I didn't let it pressure me too, too much. Like, okay. I knew earlier on, like, well, like I said, when you first asked me about, like, my type of material, I always knew early on, like, I was never going to sound like a Def Jam comic. Yeah. yeah. But I am still a black man. I can still say and do certain things that let you know, like, my tie to my culture mm-hmm. and, like, my understanding of what that plays like. So, like... To what you said, like at times I do make white people uncomfortable. Yeah, cool. Like, yeah. Def Jam comics did that too. It's yeah. just stylistically they went about it differently than like cats like me might go about it now. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah. even a guy like Ron Funches. Ron Funches is undeniably black on stage. Yeah. But he's nowhere near like a Def Jam comic, mm-hmm. right? Like, right, right, right. Like, I'm not trying to put this person in that lane, but like, Derek Gaines and Monroe are like a perfect example of like being can be right in the middle. They can go to a hood room in Philly and they could do Caroline's the next night yeah, and, yeah. Do, and do the same exact material, right? Yeah, yeah. And like, that's the space that I'm kind of like moving into as well where like, I feel very comfortable in both but I don't feel like I have to play up my blackness in terms of mm. like my voice inflections, in terms of my demeanor, yep. my dress. I don't feel the need to have to do that. Yeah, that, yeah. that's always like the goal, right? I think for, for a lot of stand-ups is not Try not to change who you are, no yeah. matter what room you go into. But be able to adapt. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, adjust, make adjustments as you need to. But then someone who who sees you in Philly in that black room and then sees you at Caroline should be like, that was the same guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. This might be a way to like kind of wrap this up. But you know, you're speaking of 
you know, black comedians who like don't want to do Def Jam or like do what's expected of them. You know, you recently, I think you opened for Lucas Brothers, right? Yeah, just, yeah. Last right? Week. And that's, that's you know, those yeah. are, if anything, those guys kind of, them and like Hannibal kind of started yeah, they that did. kind yeah, they did. of comedy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to call it. It's like the mumble rap of comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's mean. <laughs> I just mean, well, I, I get what you're like going acoustically, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, I mean. I get what you're going. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, that's definitely like a stylistic thing that hasn't been done amongst black male comedians. Yeah, you could say really since until Hannibal, and it's kind of this. It's like the Bill Parcells. It's like a coaching tree. Yeah, that's kind of like yeah. you know made its way down from that. I do think it's like I heard somebody describe them as black alt, which bothers me because mm. if anything, they're like some of the premier alt comedians. If you're gonna call them that, they just yeah. happen to be black as well. Yeah. So I don't feel like they've created their own lane. They just talk that sh- like that's what's so difficult at times. I'm like that's what's difficult at times being a black male comedian, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like. If you don't fit in a certain box, people try to fit you into a certain box yeah. and just put black in front of that. Of course. Ah. It's like, you're a black observational comedian. You can't Got just it. be an observational comedian who's a black man. Oh, right. shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And, 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 like, you're like a black, uh, well, what's another good example? Like, even like a prop comic. He's like, oh, that dude's a black prop comic. Got it. No, he's a prop comic. He's, a prop he's black. Comic. Right. Yeah. He's black. Right. Like, he's not, it's not that much of a stylistic difference. He just happens to be a black man doing that, you know? So, like I at times do push back on when people start talking about guys like the Lucas Brothers or guys like Ron Funches, guys like Hannibal. Well, I'm like, they're great black comedians. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah, yeah. They're not great black alt comedians. Yeah, they're not yeah, great yeah. black. You know, like you don't have to over define them. They're yeah. defining themselves yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, on yeah. stage. You know, like that's something that. I've definitely gotten some some convos about before. Yeah. yeah. I know. How was that though? Opening up for yeah, your it was, oh, it, was, people, it was awesome, man. Like they super chill dudes, very woke as I expected them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, we had some like really most of our conversation was like black man talk. Mm. Like cultural stuff, you know, mm. like you know, a school to prison pipeline and like mm-hmm. like, you know, racial indo- like indoctrination that's happening in schools, you know, like that was most of our convos before the show mm-hmm. and then we both like all of us went to work on stage and afterwards like we drank a little bit had some comedy conversations but not very much it was just like these are two smart talented brothers these are my type of cats yes and we just kicked it and they, they we were in Raleigh for the whole weekend mm. so you know we got to, you know we then got some barbecue the next day and just hung out you know super true guys I'm hoping I'm doing this show with them coming up on you know on the 5th and then in New York in New York, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, up at Harlem Nights, and then, you know, hopefully it turns into me working with them a little more because they, they're, they're my type of speed, and, yeah. you know, their yeah. crowd is a crowd that I know would appreciate, like, my type of stand up, wow, you know? Oh, so, man. Friends. Yeah. Friends. So nice. Yeah, man. You know, it's interesting. I feel like Asian comics do the same thing, you know? I we do. Like, sometimes, it's just, yeah. I mean, I, I obviously knew that other people did this, but it's kind of comforting in a way to know that, like, you know, we're all just talking about the same shit. We're yeah. all, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, we're we're all like, can you believe this shit? I know. Yeah. We're all just like, Jesus Christ, this thing happened, and it's yeah. fucking. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally, someone else can understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's really what. At I some mean. point, you have to find your lunch table. Yes. Right. Like, yeah. and I always refer to stand up as the weirdest little lunch table I've ever sat Ooh, at. That's great. That's great analogy, but man. At that lunch table, there's multiple. Like in that lunch room, there's multiple lunch tables, right? Yeah. Like, it just takes a while. To, like when I first came to New York. I wasn't meeting a lot. There's tons of black male comedians and there's different types of us, right? Yes. Just like any other yeah, subsect of any else, other right. group. Yeah. But like, once I started to find like, like-minded people like Kenny Warren and Courtney Reynolds, like, people who kind of fought the same way I did, had similar backgrounds. Like, Kenny Warren is also only child, mm. grew up in a super competitive background as a basketball player, won a D2 championship in basketball. So it's like, we had a lot of similar things, you know? Yeah. Once you start to find those people, it becomes so much easier to address certain things.
things. So meeting them is like, oh, were y'all woke? Alright, let's rap. That's cool. They had one of them had a um like a a Nixon Reagan presidential pin on. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then I got into talking to him. I was like, oh, they're trolls. Okay, got it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. man, that's <laughs> good. It was amazing. I also yeah. love pins, so that's cool. Yeah, so, yeah, man, and for your listeners out there, find your lunch. Find, find your lunch, lunch table, table man. Find your lunch table. And, uh, you know, shouts to uh, Miss Rodriguez. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> Save mine and John Battaglia's life. <laughs> And we are back with everybody's favorite segment. It is Das, das Race News. news. Uh, again, our guest today is Norlex Belma. Check him out on the internet. He's a very hilarious comedian. Um, today, uh, we have a, 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 this is a, a race, race news. news. This is a race news. It's not about Asian people, but uh, it is race not, news yes. indeed. It is. Uh, a quick synopsis. Uh, this is something that happened in D.C. Mm. Uh, and the, uh, the headline reads, uh, Natasha the Snitch, Black Twitter Ooh. Savages, D.C. Metro Tattletale. Basically, what happened is there's an author named Natasha Tynes. Uh, she sparked outrage on social media after she tweeted a photo of a black Metro employee eating on the train now Tynes may lose her book deal I think this is her actual tweet she said uh, when, so this is Natasha the white lady or I don't even think she's, she's white, not white. She's she might be Jordanian. Palestinian or yeah, yeah, the yeah. Right Jordanian yeah. she tweeted and she posted a picture of this lady and she said when you're on your morning, morning commute and see at WMATA employee in uniform eating on the train I thought we were not allowed to eat on the train this is unacceptable hope at WMATA responds <clears throat> when I asked the employee about this her response was worry about yourself uh, and then what happened is a uh, they, in the article they called it a bl black Twitter Avenger mm -hmm. is what they called it yeah. and, they found out, and the trolling began and she might lose her book book deal now um, yeah. and you know th th shit like this is happening all over the US you're familiar with it okay but I just wanted to start a, a, a general a, a, a general discussion about like like black Twitter culture like what yeah. is it yeah. how does it work because like I only hear about it when shit like this happens yeah. and I also know there isn't a separate app called black Twitter no. the closest there is is sometimes on uh, Reddit there's a black Twitter Reddit and yeah. sometimes that happens and like but I'm not sure because I, I think that's curated by white people so I'm not yeah, really, yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah, real, yeah. you know I'm like is this real real yeah but uh, I yeah I've, I've and you mentioned it be before be worried of anything curated by white people absolutely yes. <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, if you're a person of color yeah, be worried of like, anything what is this? that's overall policy <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's why I don't go to museums uh, so um, but yeah, <laughs> that's but, hilarious but let us I mean what, you know what's your what's your what's your take I guess first first tell yeah. us a little bit about black Twitter oh, people might not know about black Twitter is in my opinion, and I'm obviously slightly biased, um, <laughs> the most entertaining portion of social media. Because oh, sure. to me, there's no, there's no portion of social media that's quicker to the joke. Mm -hmm. There's no portion, like, black Twitter is the epitome of hive mind thinking for black people. Mm. Where it's like, you have black folks, and you, know, you have you know West Indians, you have Africans, you have African Americans, you have all these people who all like see and feel the same things like immediately. Wow. Mm. And you all go to Twitter and it's like, oh what, I'm, it's like the ultimate, I'm not alone. Like, oh you know what, I noticed that too. Like, yeah, you know what, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. this makes me feel that way. So, to what you're talking about, like black Twitter is where call out culture really started. Because uh, like, like we're in the we're like right in the heart of call out culture now. But yeah. if you go back to like Rachel Dolezal, right? Like yeah, here we go. when she that blew up on Twitter first. That yeah. blew, that blew up on black Twitter first. Mm. She ended up losing her job right. and then all this other stuff, right? Uh, you also had that woman who Natasha, whatever her name was. Who was like flying to Africa and was like, Oh yeah, I hope I don't catch AIDS. Uh, oh, yeah, just yeah. kidding, I'm white, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. And she was like What? That yeah, was the, that was the tweet? Yeah, that was the tweet. It was like four oh, oh you don't know. Oh, this is like four years ago, right? Uh -huh. And the reason I remember because I was on the radio at the time, right? For both of these stories. So like she was flying to Africa. She tweeted that right before she got on the plane. 
Black Twitter got a hold of it <laughs> while she was in the while air. she was in the air, <laughs> and it was like uh, the hashtag was something along the lines of like before whatever her name is lands like before Natasha lands uh, right oh, that's so they started tweeting all this crazy shit at her <laughs> and, and she was like actually a PR rep for some like brand right oh I remember so this. when she landed she had thousands <laughs> thousands of tweets completely annihilating her and her statement and she lost her job two year, two Ooh. days later right um, so like black coat so I know I'm kind of like scattershotting here but like yeah. also with black twitter my favorite thing is any live event yeah okay go on black twitter damn and the way to get on Black Twitter is like you know algorithms. Just follow like twenty black influencers and like heard. Okay, twenty black we, comedians. We heard this at North Carolina. She okay, said it's yeah. a state of mind. So because yeah. like because sometimes people talk about it and then and the way it's like it's like it's like you don't find Black Twitter. Black Twitter, black Twitter finds, finds you. you. Yeah. Because like I'm only how do I go there? How do I go? And yeah. then like and then it's like it's like the Matrix. You can't really tell me how to go there. Yeah. Yeah, you, know, yeah, you, yeah, kinda, yeah. you can just kind of point the way, and then yeah. I must go on some sort of long journey. Yeah. In long the desert. quest to prove that you're, yeah. that you're worthy. Yeah, exactly. With a bunch of hashtags and, like, and stuff like that. And then, and then I'm like, and then one day like Norlex is like, you are worthy. And then yeah. like, yeah, what do you think about this? I'm like, yeah. So yeah. I no, think yeah. I would suggest to people like the the all right, first off, watch any live event. Okay. Whatever the funniest tweets are are probably coming from Black Twitter. Gotcha. Okay. Like, and like. Like I said, I'm, I'm gonna be honest and say, like, am I biased? Yes, because like, I've been a, <laughs> I've been in Black Twitter since 2013. Yeah, yeah. Same time though, it is also a fact. Like, yeah, any live event, like especially like, if it's an award show, like you want to talk about people yes. getting roasted. <laughs> you on know, Black Twitter when people are coming down the red carpet and you oh, see people no. getting flamed. It is, <laughs> it, it is absolutely amazing. Like, oh, all right. For example, if if you're trying to get into Black Twitter. Go to the hashtag Dem Thrones. Dem Thrones. Like D E M T A. Like 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 Game of Thrones, yeah. but like Dem D E M. That was the like the kind of like Black Twitter subgroup on all social media platforms. Essentially, I should say the Black social media platforms. Um, like Black fans of Game of Thrones. Oh okay. my God! It is, what it is must have hysterical. Been, that must <laughs> like, have been crazy. No, it was crazy. Especially those last four episodes. Oh, yeah. It is absolutely oh, absurd. My God. It's like. <laughs> Black Twitter is funnier than like a lot of my comic friends tweets. Yeah, I can see yeah. that. And these are just civilians. Yeah. These are just like Re- teachers. Dude, cardiologists. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> these are just like real ad- well-adjusted humans and like <laughs> they're funnier on social media than like all, all of us. Oh, God. Like, it's, I love it's it. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel like it's with this incident specifically and yeah. others too, like you're being, oh, I want to get back to that in a second. You're, yeah. being, yeah. you're yeah. being watched. You know Absolutely. what I mean? You're being watched. So like I could say some fucked up shit and then one Black Avenger finds me yeah, yeah. and yeah, yeah. I'm fucked. All you, is a, all you need is the one person who, who gets enough notices on their retweets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So like, if it's like a person with like, and I hate beating this, but like, if it's like a person with like 200 followers and you retweet some, they might not even get a like, right? But yeah. like, if somebody with like 2,000 followers, which is still not a lot in the Twitter game, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. is enough to make a little bit of a dent. Yeah. If one person retweets that and like eight people like it, that pops up on... It's the yeah, algorithm. Starts, yeah. starts then, then like ten people like it. Yeah, yeah. And then three other people retweet it. Oh, people are coming for your ass. <laughs> <laughs> all you need is all you need is five black women to be upset at you mm, on social media damn. and like one gay dude and it's over. And one gay dude. Well, yeah. 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 It just takes the one yeah, gay dude. All it takes is one because like all you need is him to like book ended with oh, yeah, honey, and it's over. Uh-huh. You're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> you are fucked. Oh, I'm telling fuck. you. Um, but to, to this story though, I love this story because yeah. this story is. Is is the is Black Twitter right? Mm, it's okay. like somebody tries to come from a, for a Black woman. Ah. Another Black woman exposes that. Other Black women and the rest of the Black community get behind it, and then they end up 
tweeting at that person's publisher like oh so this is what you all oh, you thought you was cute yeah, huh? yeah, yeah, okay yeah, yeah, yeah. now watch this yeah and then they use like when when black women specifically like the black in the black community when black women decide that something's wrong or black women decide that something needs to change it changes yeah so it's like they're like oh you know what this is not about to happen yeah yeah, and yeah hundreds of black women started going at the publisher and first they're like oh they're gonna like kind of slow walk her deal and then two weeks later they came out and said we're not putting this book out Damn. so she lost her entire publishing deal shit because like black twitter was like fuck this yo man can you, you know imagine what I'm saying? like black yeah. twitter is super powerful twitter like like Tweets so strong it could like break legal contracts. Yeah. I know, you know man. What yeah, I mean, it's happened multiple times with the Kevin Hart shit. That probably went viral, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that Kevin Hart thing. I mean, he definitely probably he has so many. He has his hand in so many pots that it was never going to overall kill him. But he definitely yeah, probably yeah. lost one or two things or sure. a pending deal that they were like, ah, we don't know. Yeah, exactly no, no, yeah, yeah. He's, right got, he's got to yeah. lie low and you yeah, know yeah, whatever. That's, yeah. that's how you have to do it. <laughs> Ronnie Chang always says Twitter is just to, is a thing to get you fired. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, it's just, it's not anything. It's just a thing to get you fired. It really is. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Twitter is like, yeah, it's like an HR nightmare. You know what I mean? Oh like, yeah, for sure. Because oh, no one can control it. Because oh you just God. do it from your fucking bed after brushing your, your teeth. You're doing you know? it while you're on the toilet and shit. Yeah. And you got to do this hot take about something. Like on the way over here. Yeah. I tweeted like, yo, white people could really wear whatever they want. Oh, for sure. Mm. Right. Yes. And it's like, that's <laughs> yeah. not necessarily a hot take, but all it takes is like one angry person in Charlottesville or yeah. some shit yeah. Yeah. to and tweet that to like their network. Yeah. Now yeah. I've got now I've got all these red hat bros like looking for me. Yo, yo, yo. Do you get that? Do you get that? Oh, I've had a few. I've really? Because oh, yeah. I, I know I've women had, had women get it a lot when they tweet feminine feminist Especially jokes. Especially uh, our women comedian friends yeah. oh are amongst the most harassed people. Dude, on it's social media. insane. I can't it's imagine absurd. how like, they still keep going to Twitter. Yeah, it's it's got to be so stressful. You know, like like people like Corinne Fisher. Oh, yeah. oh she's oh, got a Corinne. death threat. Yeah, yeah. like, like uh, who's a uh, Corinne's a great example. Kenise Moby's a great example. Yeah, Kenise, yeah. Um, Sydney Washington's a good example. Yeah. And Sydney's like harmless on Twitter. Yeah. And she still had people come at her mm. with some crazy shit. Um, yeah, I've definitely had a few people like, oh, you wouldn't say that if I came to your show. And I'm like, oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. You do not know how badly I want to beat up a white man. Mrs. Rodriguez, I still carry it's that about, pocket knife around. Yeah, yeah. It's been about 13 years since I put my hands on a white man yeah. like, in a bad yeah, way. Yeah, like, you, yeah. I don't mind a refresher course. Please try me. Jesus. You know, that's, um, it's like a, yeah, like it's like you like like picking up the the violin and jamming out again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh 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 Back to the black Twitter thing. Like, I, I that's why I love, love, love black Twitter. It's like when even when I don't know how. Like I hate to say this, but black Twitter has informed my opinions on things. Yeah, like things that I've been like up in the air about. Yeah. Especially as like I'm a black man, but you know, people tend to think that black and American means that you're African American. But I'm Haitian. Both my parents are Haitian. Mm. I was born. I was raised deeply in the Haitian community, which means I was born and raised deeply in the West Indian community. Yeah. So like we have our little side too. And, like there's there's yeah, little yeah. clashes. In black Twitter, like this African Twitter, this West Indian Twitter, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and like that has informed my opinions on certain things. There's been times where it's like a new story will hit, and I'm like, oh, mm, I'm not sure how to think about. I don't that. know how I feel about that. Yeah, and then like I know how I might be feeling. I'll go on Twitter and like 
it's validation. It's like, okay, you know what? I wasn't the only black man or black person who fought that. Yeah. And there's been times where, like, how I feel kind of doesn't necessarily jive. And then it's led to, like, an internal monologue within myself. Like, so, like, why did I feel this way? But, like, my culture feels this way, but it hit me this way. Like, what about me? What about my background? What about how I see the world, like, informed that yeah. opinion? You know, mm. so, like, black Twitter is, at least to me, is very, very important. You Dude, know, outside of just being uh, that's the, you know? that's the yeah. That's the part... This is an amazing topic. So white people know this exists, right? And and like what a lot, what a lot of times, uh, I mean, I guess not even just white, people, I guess like non non black people yeah. will like only take the comedy portion of black exactly, Twitter. Exactly, exactly. But I'm realizing yeah, is or the it, activist portion gets fucking buried. Right. But what I'm realizing yeah. is like that's yeah. only the surf. That's only like the tip of exactly, the iceberg, right? There's exactly. this whole like, hey, how should I feel about this? Or like, are yep. my feelings valid? Yeah. And I feel like. You know, Asian people. We got that Facebook group, right? What's yeah. it called? Uh, Asian memes or whatever. Subtle Asian, Subtle Asian memes, um, which is fine. I'm glad we have that, but right now it's still like jokes, right? Yeah. It's just jokes. Like nobody goes in there to think like, how am I supposed to feel about yeah. certain things? And I feel like that's how you know you have a solid, defined. Uh, cemented culture I think yeah. is when you can have something like that where cause you know we always talk about with Asian people it's like well you know there's like Chinese people Korean people like how, how do we all do it but hey according to this it's like hey there's West Africans you know there's yeah, West Indies yeah, Haitians yeah. right there's all but they, they can all coexist within this larger umbrella of, of black Twitter you know what I mean yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. Like, well, I've always kind of been fascinated like about like the dynamics even within Asian culture yeah. you know cause like my whole experience with Asian was almost exclusively Chinese and Japanese kids. Mm -hmm. And then I got to college and post-college. I've always felt like, I've, it's, it's kind of like the like black and Latinos, black versus Latinos, especially in New York City. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, older generations have some like really deep entrenched thoughts in history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it's like, then it's like, our parents gen like yeah, maybe yeah. like well how old are you I'm 29 me too how old are you but we all have like aunts and uncles who are probably like in their like mid to late 40s right. and like how they looked at those dynamics differently and then for us we're not people try to think that we're the colorblind generation but we're not yeah. but we don't have those same sensibilities that like two generations before us had and I yeah. imagine it's much of the same in Asian culture yeah. what is like a, like popular like oh this group of Asians like has issues with this group of Asians you know like yeah is there any of that um let's see here everyone has issues with the Japanese yes um, <laughs> is that because of that's the war yeah yeah, 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 yeah. War. yeah um everyone and then like Chinese people are kind of like the I would say they're like the background radiation of Asia because they're like they're just everywhere yeah. and they've they I think I don't know if people really think about this but they have they had such a hegemony oh they're like Rome yeah, of got it. The West, yeah, right? It's like it. you can't get away from how much influence Rome yeah, had. Exactly. Yeah. We're exactly. still like you know we still use their fucking language and shit. Yeah. And Chinese is the same way. It's like you. It's it's almost like no matter what you think of it, it doesn't matter because they you are kind of Chinese. Influence, yeah, yeah. yeah right. If you're part of uh, right. all this right. Confucius shit, like there's really kind of like if you kind of think about it, there's kind of like two kinds of Asia, where there's Confucius Asia, which is Korea, Vietnam. Uh, China uh, and it spread a little bit out to like some other places that's why like we love tests and shit like that and then there's like non-Confucius Asia which as you move over to uh, Southeast Asia you get like further away from that you get into Thailand you get yeah, to yeah. India and stuff like that they didn't have that kind of thing so that's like and that's how I kind of think of it as like little like forces like moving around back and forth got you um, yeah and it's a lot of like it's yeah like like Fumi said it's kind of like a lot of relatively recent post-colonial shit 
right? Which I would imagine happened um, similar in the, in a similar historical track to uh, you know to like a post-colonial Africa, post-colonial yeah. West Indies, uh, and 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 like that sort of thing. It's 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 that like historical background of as white people moved out of the region, then older tribal things kind of rose up in Vietnam to kind of suck up those like yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. like fill up the, the vacuum, that, the yeah. vacuum yeah, of, yeah. of power so I think that's uh, that's an interesting thing um, yeah I mean like I would say like Japan and Korea is like that's like the biggest most um, like rivalry sort of thing yeah or? I mean I think yeah, I, I, I think, think so I think that makes a lot of sense I, again like here it's it's more muddled yeah but like it's like a classic you know it's like a classic you know uh, fucking uh, Lakers Celtics type situation you know what I'm saying it, you know like it, down to like you ever seen Planet B-Boy it's like no, oh no, yeah. yeah it's sick that it's, it's Japan versus Korea and like they all are kind of a Dude, little bit aware those interviews of that. get kind of fucking weird it's crazy they like what, what is that is it like a website like so it's like a, it's a movie it came out in 2004 I'm, I'm talking about the documentary not the remake scripted version no 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 yeah the, the there's a documentary which is amazing 2004 documentary and it's about year, uh, battle of the year battle of the year which is this huge battle a rap, you know yeah a b-boy battle that happens in Europe and stuff like that and like this is when like Korea is kind of like becoming emergent this is like in 2004 again yeah. so and then the Japan was like the like reigning champions because Japanese b-boys are awesome yeah, incredible yeah, yeah. And so they have this whole thing and then in the end the, the final battle is between Japan and Korea oh. the two and it gets te- like, so national teams political dude and it gets super political in, and then in the documentary yeah cause in they the, interviewed in the, them yeah. like they'll say shit like they don't dance with souls yeah. Yeah. they said that they're like damn yeah. it's a very yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I remember that because I watched it at NYU and I was like that made me uncomfortable it was, it was a Japanese dance I mean they both talk shit but yeah, the Japanese yeah. dancer was like the Koreans they have like really good moves but they don't dance with souls I was like yeah. what the fuck does that mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> that might be a subliminal too. How yeah. you gonna drop soul talking <laughs> yeah, about? Dude. It's, it's like a it's also like a, a black form of art too. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah, soul. Yeah. It's not yours. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, that's probably yeah, that's the most. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I say that's probably the most like cogent yeah. uh, thing. I guess you could say like that's that's still something where like people are, you know like it you know you, you could probably sell some t-shirts still. Yeah, you know what I'm saying yeah. It's, it's always interesting to me though because like like I said I grew up around Asian kids and like I, I feel like I used to think that Asians got a pass with appropriation culturally mm. then I realized there is still some of that yeah but, some of that yeah but in my opinion I think Asians especially when it comes to like black culture yeah are actually very appreciative and respectful and yeah. like like they they will humble them so they have humility yeah about like this culture that they, they love and like the way they speak about it yeah and I feel like with other cultural groups it's straight up hijacking <laughs> yeah, like yeah. When, when I see when I see like fly dress like urban dress like Asian cats yeah unless it like come like crazy money like I'm not talking about the dudes who go to Barney's yeah like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm talking about like <laughs> no I'm talking about yeah. the cats who go to like the Gap outlet yeah before. yeah I'm not even sure like that right and I've never as I've gotten older I realized like they actually have an appreciation for the culture like I have Asian friends who can talk to me more deeply about like Wu-Tang or like <laughs> talk to me I have Asian friends who know like like real civil rights culture because it's like yeah. or history because they got into hip hop history and like yeah. hip hop history is mm. just the, the nephew of the civil rights movie uh, yes. if you really want to be serious about it right yes. so like all that stuff translates like the music the lingo the fashion all of it translates and you just talk to him especially like friends from like Texas like I've met Asian cats from Texas I've met Asian cats from Florida and he's like oh you have like you feel this shit yeah. like, like you with me like you only you, <laughs> no, 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 like, I've been to two Black Lives Matters rallies in my entire life uh huh and outside of black and Latinos, outside of like white women who are dick hungry, like <laughs> I, 
Like outside of them, the only other subgroup that I saw there consistently was different types of Asians. Whoa, shit. Like I saw a lot of like middle age, like 30s and 40 year old Asian women just mm, being like, yeah, this is bullshit. Yes. You see some Asian dudes out there, they, you know, they got like, you know, run, D, run DMC shell tops on. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they have a black and white. Like, so like, they, they're flyer than the Black Lives Matter. <laughs> I mean, like, That's so funny. No, but, and and this, this is all like hand on the Bible. Like I've only been to two and yeah. like, you subtract black and Latinos, like I saw Asians there. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, like, it's uh, I, I think like both in New York. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's like a definitely. You know, you look into the history of it. There's there were there were Asian Americans in um, uh, like the in the Black Panthers. There was like all these different wow. things happening. I, I never knew that. Yeah, there yeah. was like you know you kind of look at they were like allied, right? So there's and it gets very complicated. There's like there you look into certain like um, historical figures. It gets very complicated, but uh, you kind of look into it and like uh, we always joke around on the podcast like black people and Asian people were like on we're like the same person like just like on the different side of the coin yeah you know and that's why the best looking babies oh my god (laughs) 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 and that's why we make the best looking babies you know so uh, yeah I think that's what it is and and we you know we just we're just trying to get into that black twitter show us where it is you know know I'm saying like follow me that's a start if you ever see me retweet something that's not okay. political it's probably like from the black twitter sphere okay yeah. Um, yeah, like, uh, wrap, like not to wrap it up but like it's very easy to get to black twitter like you follow your black friends and then who they retweet you follow them and then the algorithms will take control in, <laughs> in, in, in about three Just or four months yeah. and next thing you know you'll be like who the fuck is Bree Newsome then you're following every single Bree Newsome tweet because she's amazing okay. right? Like, yeah. alright we're in it yeah. alright check out the rules on Twitter everybody yeah <laughs>
and that was it. But only when I came to NYU, people were like, Asian people were like, what are you, insane? I played to th- 13 schools. Wow. And they're expensive. It's like 80 bucks per oh, application. I do not miss that time. Right? And like, mm-hmm. I, I, the part of me that was like, why do you play to 13 if you only were considering like four of them? Se- I don't know. I just didn't really understand it. But I realized that's like the Asian like hardcore Asian community mentality is yeah. you apply to more than 10. Even my girlfriend applied to like seven or something wow. like that. It's you know? cloud I think people also want to be like, I got into 14 universities. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You yeah. see yeah. now on Twitter where like every other day on Twitter there's some like some senior yes. who's like, $1.7 million in scholarship <laughs> offers. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, you you applied to 50 schools. <laughs> yeah, you applied to 50 <laughs> schools and like also you're going to Clemson. Like, chill the fuck out. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, sit yeah. the fuck down. You there know? was like, something very <laughs> Asian about this thing with my parents because um, my parents knew how smart I was and they are like, let's not kid ourselves, okay? Let's yeah. just apply to the ones that you have a chance at, you know? So, uh, yeah, th- three schools. I, uh, I, I only applied in the University of California system. So that's, that's it? Only. Oh, because... Because you could go, you get state tuition. Yeah. So, oh, but by, by default, that's like ten schools or something like that. Yeah, right? but you, you you check them off. You, you which they, ones? Yeah. So like which ones? Oh, you so it's, it's, one it's one application. Oh, Sweet. Uh, yeah, but so mainly I did it because I was lazy. Yeah. I yeah. did not want to fill out that box multiple times. So I just was just like, and also you know it, they're good schools. Yeah. And I always kind of joke around about it, but in my mind, if I had gone to Harvard, it would have been the worst thing that could happen to my family. You think so? Oh, because the debt. It, it would have been so much money. Yeah. And. I'm 100% would not have been like I'm not going to use my Harvard degree for something awesome. Mm. I would be in this booth still yeah. and I would yeah. be like, yeah, I also went to Harvard and with someone who went to Harvard, but here I am hanging out with fucking yeah. Boomi and shit. What like, the fuck are you doing? Yeah, man? exactly. Did you not go to Harvard? Yeah, 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 so at least I got like a, you know, like yeah. a cheaper stipend or yeah. whatever yeah. tuition fee. So, we're the same, me, you and I. We really are. Lazy. Really so lazy. <laughs> I hate forms. I, I hate just forms. didn't um I didn't think this is very anti-Asian, but I just didn't. I just knew from an early age that like college was not going to determine how I live my life, you know. Word. So like ah. it, it didn't really mean that much to me, you Word. know. It's like I, I would have been happy going to Ohio State, and I would have transferred somewhere else, you know, afterwards. Yeah. yeah. So that's my confusion. That's a good one. Those both sounds. That's a good one, Mike. Hmm. Okay, let me think here. Shit. And I was supposed to think of one, but I, I started joking around with you guys. Um. What's a good one? Um. We can go to Norlex if you want. No, you got we got one off. Uh, you, uh, oh yeah. What's something oh, you're, really? you're embarrassed oh, yeah. to tell uh, people? I've never seen Friday in its entirety. <gasps> wow. Never seen the whole thing. Never. And so it's that's a double. It came out a long time ago though. Yeah, me. but Friday is one of the most quoted black movies. Oh really? In the black. Oh my god! It's like Friday Juice Boys okay, in the Hood. Juice, yeah. Like Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood probably number one. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Carlito's Way is probably up there too. Um, but I've never seen Friday in its entirety and it's one of the movies that I, I understand the least amount of references because I've only seen snapshots <laughs> I've only seen like I literally have only seen like two commercial breaks worth like at multiple different times in my life so like the overall arc of the story all I know is that Debo gets beat the fuck up at the end of the movie and Chris Tucker is like you got knocked the fuck out yes like outside uh, of that and like yeah outside of that I'm just like yeah. yeah. Are there are there a lot of times? I just come you up and people been mad at me. Also, I didn't when I was growing up. I didn't grow up watching Martin, and that's a big thing in the black community <gasps> you as well. Watch uh, did you watch Martin? I love Martin. Yeah. I, 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 I started watching Martin in college. But we were it's, too young kinda, for Martin. Yeah. Kinda, I think. Exactly. Kinda, we were too young. Too young I, yeah. I, I would watch yeah. like I'd watch Sister Sister. That's not yeah, a, and, baby. And a smart guy. <laughs> yeah, smart baby. Guy. Yeah, smart guy was my shit. All that. Girlfriends was my jam. What? Oh man! Thank you, Kelsey Grammer, for putting that show on UPM. <laughs> yeah. Wait, can I ask you a question? I don't want this to be offensive. I thought this was a black movie, but maybe it's not. 
I thought Hardball was a black movie. No, I was <laughs> uh, are you talking about Keanu Reeves. Yeah, you know it's interesting you bring that up. It should be a black movie because everybody's black. Yeah, everybody's black, but Keanu. <laughs> It, uh, it's oh, it's, it's also a great movie. And that kid like, gets shot. Kid it's gets real. Shot it's end, real, dude. Like, it's it's uh, G Baby. G Baby oh, gets shot. You're gonna make me cry. That's <laughs> also that's also Michael B. Jordan's second movie that he was ever really? in. Really? Michael yeah. B. Jordan plays a kid who's a kind of got like an anger issue, get get kicked off the team, and then yeah. wants to come back in. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Since you bring that up, I've never considered that a black movie. Yeah, I, I discovered Biggie that way. I was like, yeah. it's a cool song. Yeah. Because that uh, came out when I was like, I love it when you Big Pop. Yeah. In Hardball, for those of you who haven't seen the movie, there's a kid who's a pitcher. Who today we would describe as on the autism spectrum, but we're not going to do that, right? <laughs> okay. like, but like the only way he pitches effectively is that he plays Biggie in his headphones oh, as yes. he pitches, yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, always yeah. the same exact song. Yeah. And to get around this is a team that wants to beat them. Is like the the other coach goes to the ump's like that's unsanctioned equipment. He can't be having that, and then he starts fucking up. So then the team starts singing. Of uh, the song yeah. from the dugout form, and he just lights him the fuck up. It's a very, yeah, it's very. It's an awesome scene. It's, and it's a, great, a great movie. It's a great movie. Wait, great how did I not watch this movie? Oh, check it out. No. Come on, it, bro. Hardball is, Hardball is the Mighty Ducks for baseball. Oh. It's exactly it's, 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 it's black the, mighty ducks yeah, baseball. Black mighty ducks baseball. Yeah. Almost the same exact plot too. Like the guy's a former lawyer or whatever. Or like he's taking the team over for his lawyer friend or whatever it is. Almost. Exa- oh no, he owes the guy. He's been yeah, going yeah, to yeah. some guy for money a lot. Yeah. And then the guy's yeah. like, you know, I'm going to stop giving you money. I think the guy's a lawyer anyway. He's like, yeah. I'm not going to give you money. You can coach his team instead, which is very similar to what happens in. Yeah, I want you to write more. Um, like movie taglines yeah. like that <laughs> yeah. where it's like okay it's like Black Mighty Ducks Twitter you know yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I got you yeah. I got you yeah. wow. oh, it's, that's, how you, that's how you pitch things in Hollywood I gotta I start it. getting yeah. my two yeah. sentence pitches yeah, down yeah, yeah, so yeah, here's yeah. my idea and it's like this and that <laughs> which is what my LA friends have taught me to do yeah I love yeah. it that's great it's, tell them two things that it's like or what it, like the marriage of them like, oh do. I can see it what about you Mike you tell me you're a perfect Asian fuck you bro no dude I don't know this is I mean, I had I had dim sum the other day and I don't like chicken feet that's right that's fine is it i uh, feel chicken that feet is very specific to like chinese cuisine i think i, I, don't, I don't think korean people are super into it either right um i mean dim sum is a very chinese thing right right and i just feel that whenever it's it, it's weird because it there's so many different things in dim sum but whenever you bring up dim sum people bring up chicken feet like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like it's like it's like the it's like a small throwaway not throwaway, but it's like one of the dishes, but it's just like for some reason has glommed onto like the popular consciousness mm. that if you go there, oh whoa, chicken feet, right? That's like the thing you're gonna eat. Uh and I uh I, I feel that if I if I, I, I like took a, a white friend there, they would like ask for it just to try it. Yeah. And then I would used to be like, All right, well I'm not gonna have that, you know? And so then yeah. I feel like, you know, I don't know, it's it's uh it's it's just like it's it's real bony. First of all, I, I, I the feet part doesn't bother me. I would eat other feet. Yeah, <laughs> pig feet, pig feet, pig feet's okay. Pig yeah. feet's delicious. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but just for some reason, it's just Cow like feet. yeah, it's just mad bones. I mean, is it kind of like stinky tofu? Where it's like, do you? I don't like it. Do, do a lot of people like stinky tofu? You know what I mean? Or is, I guess, it, is it just like a thing that's famous? I guess it's really because of the dim sum experience, right? If if you if you go there, it's almost like you're expected to. I I, I don't, I'm trying to think of an, an equivalent, like movie pitch version where <laughs> like the Mighty Ducks but yeah over. really where it's like it's yeah, like yeah, if yeah. you if, it's like if you fucking I don't know I, I don't know what it is for black culture it's, it's like if you go to a you know black restaurant you and you and not getting cornbread or something yeah or something yeah, like yeah, that yeah. Or, but like something like real like real intense 
right or like yeah. going to like korean like a korean like you know going to korea and then not eating like the the, the chopped up living squid you know what i'm saying yeah. it's like one of the things and not everybody's gonna like it but oh, because okay. you didn't do it it's like people are like oh yeah. well why did we even go yeah, yeah. i'm gonna give you a pass on that one even though I, you know you don't even know we don't even know you don't even know about <laughs> i'm gonna give you a pass because don't, don't get caught up on part of you not liking shit is part of the asian experience I, you know in, mm. in japanese culture for new year's we always have what's called osechiryori which is like old ass food it's food oh, yeah. that's meant to last and it was created like three thousand years ago or whatever we still <laughs> eat it today in honor of those traditions but it's not that good because the reason why it's not good is because there's a lot of salt in it and shit because oh, it lasts like because back then yeah. right. we didn't have refri- refrigerators so there's the only thing i'd like in that is the chestnut the chestnut is sweet and it's good. Oh, I see. Asian people love chestnut yeah. shit, right? But everything else kind of tastes like too salty or like it's just it's not modern day Japanese food. I don't like it, you know? Mm. And that, that's okay because I've got a modern ass tongue, yeah. you know? <laughs> and so, <laughs> ladies, ladies, my, my tongue. Yeah, my tongue's uh, super hip, baby girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a fedora on it and shit. <laughs> so I think you should just take imp- take pride in the fact that you have a modern day tongue and that's okay. Mm. You don't have to you don't have to like it just because it's a thing. Well, now I have to like it because a Japanese dude told me it's okay to not like it. <laughs> <laughs> and what did I tell you about this thing? Yeah, 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 that's <laughs> how it works. Now you understand. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, everybody, thank you so much for listening. I guess our, uh, again, our guest today was Norlix Belmont. Norlix, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Social media? Where, where, where can yep. our fans find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Le Twitter at Norlex said, N-O-R-L-E-X-S-A-I-D. You can find me on my website. I post all my in New York and out of New York dates. I travel pretty much every month or so, like once or two, one, one or two weekends. Uh, you can find me uh, norlexbelma.com, N-O-R-L-E-X-B-E-L-M-A.com. We've got a little tab that says shows, and you can find where I'm going to be at around the country there. Hell yeah, Woo-hoo. man. And yeah. also, please follow us on Instagram. Uh, you can find us at Asian, not Asian pod. And you can also find me on there at the Fumi Abe. That's spelled T-H-E-F-U-M-I-A-B-E. And you can find me on Instagram at NicePantsBro. And don't forget to leave an iTunes review. Those always help. We're always up to, I think we're up to like 315 now. So let's aim for that 400. All the, the more reviews we get, the better chances we are included in in next year's Asian Heritage Month probably not. curated podcast You're list. Probably not, we weren't on it, it this month because we weren't getting enough love. So uh, check us out. Man. Also, quick announcement, our next Hack City show, that's right, that's our uh, live comedy show that Mike and I do together. That's going to be on June 17th. Oh, fuck, really? I've been telling people 19th. June 17th. Wait, June... Wait, hold on here. No, June 19th. June 19th. June 19th. June 19th. It's oh, June 19th. I was looking at it's July. June, sorry. Ni- yeah, June, June 19th, 8 o'clock at Canal Street Market. The address is 265 Canal Street. Get here early. Get your seats. And um, we have a great lineup. I don't know if we're allowed to say who's on it, but it's going to be fucking fire. It's going to be we awesome. We booked some heavy hitters, people on Netflix, people on TV. For sure. Nice. Uh, some people, we're doing a... Uh, I booked extra Asian comedians this month to make up for the lack of Asian <laughs> comedians we booked for our actual month yeah. of Asian Heritage Fantastic. Month. So this is uh, uh, an atonement show. <laughs> it's going to be super uh, good. <laughs> Um, cool. I think I think that is it. Is, is there anything else you want to plug? Are you, gonna, uh, are you traveling? Oh, um, I mean, well, just uh, just again, if we're looking for a videographer, yes, we are looking for a videographer. Someone who can help us out. Um, you know, it's it's. I don't I don't think it's a crazy lift, but you know, it is something we're let's we're chat. trying to do. Let's chat. Let's chat. Send, send us a, send us a note. And let's just let's just see. It's always nice to talk to people. So. Yes. So definitely uh, hit us up if you're uh, if you're a video nerd. Um, yeah. Cool. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. This episode of Asian Not Asian is presented in partnership with Listening Party. Follow the crew on Instagram at Listening Party Presents and at Canal Street Market.